0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of the week. Turn up the volume on your car stereo because we know you're listening to us on your drive to work. This is the Game Dev Unchained Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Charles, and I brought my best friend, Mr. Wham Bam, Brandon Pham.
1: Oh, hey, what's up, everyone, to this week's episode? This is Brandon Pham. Please welcome our special guest, Kami Talebi. Man, I didn't even ask for your <laughs> last name.
0: I'm <laughs> not going to even Kami Talebi.
1: Hey.
2: Hey, how's it going, guys? Great to be on the show. Super excited and super stoked. Big follower on your guys' podcast. i listened to most of them so far. I'm trying to get through them as I work as well.
0: Oh, man, you don't have to lie to us, but we appreciate it. Obviously, we appreciate can the tell lie, yeah. by him lying <laughs> to us that he's from production. No, uh, oh,
2: <laughs> oh. Oh, I have heard. I have heard at least six of them. I'm trying to remember off the top. My favorite one would have to be the salary one.
0: Of course,
2: that's a common thing that happens in the video game industry. And then I think, uh, God, what's the other one that I was listening to? Can't remember off the
0: top of my head, but I'll try to remember throughout the podcast. That's cool, man. So uh, all jokes aside, producers don't lie. I I need to... The main reason why we brought Kami on this episode is uh, two things. One, we wanted to have an episode dedicated to producers and production, and there's a lot of students that we talk to now who are going to get great benefit off of hearing about, you know, how to go into the game industry in production because there's not really a -a how-to-be-a-producer class at an art school or anything like that, you know? So I definitely know that Kami's the man with the expertise. He's got his foot in the door, he's in the industry, and he's worked his way up. So you know all the secrets and information that a lot of people who are interested in in you know being a video game producer can learn from you what would you say about that yes or no am i wrong am i right
2: well i mean it all ultimately depends on um what what you're passionate about and sometimes from my previous experience of people that i talk to usually end up in production or you know just couldn't quite make it to where they need to be which results in again once up Ending in production, yeah. uh, but you know, for me, I, I started in this industry um, from the bottom up, and for, like within the first six months, I knew I wanted to be a producer. That was my ultimate dream. That's my goal, and, and that's something that I bring to the table every day when I go to work. Is you know, I, I that I'm in that position because I want to be in that position. Uh, a lot of people don't know what a producer does, and it, and it varies depending on the company and the project and the the team. Uh, but yeah, for me, I know the core main responsibilities of what a producer's, uh, supposed to do and,
0: uh, be at the time. And that's, that's kind of where I wanted to be. Awesome, man. So, uh, just so that the people listening know that they should listen to you, uh, do you want to go through your resume and talk about like, yeah, this is how I got into production and these are the companies that I work for?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, well, I started back in 2008 when I was 19, I started in Quality Assurance, working for a company called Neversoft, which is now defunct, which used to be the Tony Hawk franchise. I started over there when they started their Guitar Hero World Tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, From there, I was there for two years. um, And then when they kind of were shutting down the Guitar Hero franchise, I, I was asked out of 10, I think there was like 60 QA guys out of the 10, they asked me if I wanted to go to Treyarch. Uh, and work on the Call of Duty Black Ops series. So over there, I worked on Black Ops 1 and 2. And uh, over there at Treyarch, I was responsible for the PlayStation multiplayer side of QA, but I also helped out with production every now and then. You know, they asked for, like, little quick things. Nothing too big that would be production-related, but it was mostly heavy on the QA, but I would be, you know, closely with the producers, and we would talk about any top issues that would prevent us from submitting or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, From... From in, in the pre-production of Black Ops 2, uh, I got a call from Sony Santa Monica, mm. which I became a QA guy there, QA tester again, um, for God of War Ascension. And within, I think, nine months, I became the floor lead over there for the multiplayer team. And then six months after that, I became the lead of the QA. And then shortly afterwards, I took a brief time off for about like a couple months, but then I came back and became a production assistant, Uh, and that's where I got my first official gig in production at Sony Santa Monica, working with guys like Stig and Whitney Wade, and these are people that, you know, I consider, you know, my mentors. Mm -hmm. Uh, They brought me up and kind of taught me the the ways of knowing what's important when, when it comes to what production is responsible for and how to you know, assess things when, when conflicts and problems arise. Uh, and then from there, uh, the the project that we were working on got canceled at Sony Santa Monica. And uh, they had this big game dev like exchange. So a bunch of companies came by Capcom and uh, they came around talking to us as far as like being able, cause I think they laid off over like 60 to 80 people. I can't remember. Wow. Uh, but yeah, there was a company called cloud Imperium game, which they now are working on Star Citizen. It's a kickstarted crowdfunding uh, game that's going pretty strong. I think they're over $100 million in crowdfunding money right now, which Brendan's shaking his head as I look at him. Um, but yeah, I was there and I got my first project coordinating uh, position there. And I did a lot. I actually learned a lot over there. Um, you know, I dabbled in outsource, I dabbled in uh, live ops, I dabbled in. Um, uh, the main assets of our of, of Star Citizen, which were the ships, mm. and then from there, I got a call from a good friend of mine from Sony Santa Monica, who left, you know, when, when the layoff happened at Sony. She was at Section Studios with Cecil Kim, and they talked about that they needed some production assistant as uh, assistants as well as QA. So they knew I had a strong background, and they didn't even have a QA team back at Section Studios. So. You know, uh, I came in with uh, the expectations of being a quality assurance lead. But when I came in, uh, Jean Chin, she, you know, went off to go to Square Enix right when I started. So it was me and one other producer who uh, were in production at the time. I was the associate producer. Chris Cow was the other producer. And we, you know, fresh off, like we just were there for like... Chris was there maybe a week earlier before me. So two brand new producers running Section Studios and we had a PC product uh, project that we were working on, as well as another one called Ternertia. It was Dead Realm and Ternertia. And then uh, shortly before the release of the project, um, Chris Cow left to pursue his like education, mm-hmm. and I kind of helped manage the release of Dead Realm as well as live ops. And at the same time, we were doing some like VR prototypes um, that we pitched uh, that went out. But yeah, since then I've been at Section since February two thousand. 2015, and just have been, you know, in production, running different tasks. I mean, I've worked on platforms for VR, mobile, um, and I've done a lot of client relations activities with client services uh, based off of what section needs, because we do have clients that come in and ask for, like, a two-week project, a three-month project, a one-year project, and some of those involve just 3D development assets or concept assets. So we provide for those areas as well as
0: in-house game development. Oh awesome man. So you've actually got to work on big games, small games, produce QA, so you know how to defend the project, get the bugs, make sure that the quality's good, but then also how to make sure that development is on track, on time. You know, do you feel like you have to be a certain type of person to handle production responsibilities, or is it a job that really anybody can fall into? What's your take on that?
2: Um well I mean it depends on how social you are. I think that's the real Key is is communication, in my opinion. If, if you're not a type of person who likes to communicate, uh, or if you're not a type of person who's willing to put his own ego down to make sure the project and the team comes first, um, you know, I, I'm trying to th- trying to think of the best way of saying this without saying that, like you know, this job is not for everybody. Mm. Um, but it, it takes a talented few to be able to maintain this position because you, any other position in the any other department uh your goals are pretty straightforward with art with concept with engineering you know they know what they need to build and with production we're constantly scheduling and you know the next day the schedule might completely change based off direction mm-hmm. uh but my job and my goal is to make sure that people don't fall into the next you know to fall into the pitfall uh I, I need to be one step, at least one step ahead of everyone else because, you know, I've had numerous times where I've planned for six months to a year scheduling of what we're looking like and you know, a director will come up to me and is like, Well, you know, we can't do that. We gotta we, we have only three months or four months and then, you know, I gotta constantly reschedule. So it, what it takes is a lot of uh you know, putting your own ego down. You you know, what you create is not always Uh, going to be what's best for the company on you know it might be good for one day but then the next day you see there's a change of direction which requires you to completely change your 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 setup
1: Mm -hmm. so So, uh, like coming as a student like if i wanted to be a producer um like these are things that are not definitely uh taught in school like you know most 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 vocational schools are art or design centric but mostly art centric so if i'm a student and i want to go in the producer track i mean what what kind of things you think in your past helped you prepare for a position like this
2: um well i mean for me uh, as far as from an educational background um anything regarding communications um knowing ethical and moral values those things came in uh, a lot stronger than than I thought because um, when I started in QA, I was also a full time student, and I thought getting a business major of you know just business law or business management would be key. But you know going into those business management classes, you know you're looking at spreadsheets and you're looking at finance, and none of that is actually. I mean, for a project manager for a different company, uh, like a, a tech company that's dealing with software and hardware, that would make sense. But when it comes to software development in video games pre- specifically. Uh, That type of stuff you gain, um, you know, with experience from being in the company, whether you're an intern or you start off from the startup from QA and learning what the process is like. Um, But as far as going to school, if there's any uh, advice that I can give to someone, um, it would be to focus on, you know, communication, networking. Uh, Those types of tools are very helpful when, when coming up with situations uh, or problems uh, when you arrive in like in a production role.
1: Nice. Yeah, like a, a lot of the times I notice, like uh, most most of the producers, they come from the QA department first. Like I, it, I mean, it's a natural yeah. transition. You're you're dealing with bugs, you're dealing with a team, you're organizing, and uh, eventually becoming QA lead would lead to more of a production uh, title afterwards like they see yeah. it's a lot of similar stuff and then uh and then you progress into the, the, the production team to manage you know everyone else within that like um yeah. you, you mentioned how long did it take you from from qa to coming a production assistant uh
2: well from i think my first production gig was 2013 so 28 to 2013 that was about five years yeah. in QA to finally get my own production gig. I mean, obviously, I I went through the manual, uh, like the hard-working way, as, as I call it, because uh, today I see a lot of people who, you know, a simple like, oh, I know you, you can easily become a producer kind of thing. I, I've seen those positions happen, and and unfortunately, I, I see all the issues that, they, uh, that they're that they going through, and unfortunately, it's kind of one of those gut-feeling um jobs that you need to have and and you can only gain that by only being around by you know around the company for a a bit of time to understand uh what the issue is and how to resolve that um but yeah most people they usually come from qa over to production because well there's there's really two things that happen in qa usually you're a graduate Uh, of an art school and you're trying to land a gig either art or design or engineering but you know there's no openings yet but you're in the industry right and you're just waiting for that company to open up an industry you know waiting for an art position or waiting for a design position any junior right to get in so usually a lot of QA guys are there but those who are not in because of school or not because of design or engineering they eventually if if they build up to become a QA lead, which you know being responsible for a team to be able to do their day to day activities, they usually fall suit into becoming in production.
1: All right. Yeah, it's like the toughest. It's one of the toughest transition. And I was wondering, like, what what made the difference? Like, if, the, if you can pinpoint exactly when was the exact time when things started to shift for you to make that transition, uh, what were the key key takeaways?
2: Uh, well, I mean, f- for me, it was the persistence. Um, I noticed when I was working in QA, you know, you're getting to know everybody, you're trying to talk to everybody. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, there's that honeymoon phase when you first start your QA or, or your video game job. Your first year, you're just happy to be there. You're learning about everything. Everything's fresh and new. Uh, but then after like year two or year three, some people get very restless mm-hmm. and either they end up, you know, staying pigeonholed into QA or they quit. Uh, but persistence is what got me ultimately in, in production. You know, I, I was at my producer's desk at Sony Santa Monica almost every day, like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Um, and, and I kept telling her and I was honest with her. I told her, Hey, you know, after this, you know, God of War is over, I'm, I'm looking for a production position. Uh, what do you, what traits do you think, you know, I need to improve on into, in order to accelerate in this area? And she said, well, honestly, it's, you know you have the traits you just got to wait for the time you know it's just that lucky window opportunity and that's what happened for me was because um one of the co-workers who you know that we work with today uh she was the production assistant at sony santa monica and then when she left to go to uh, a different company that that spot came became available and you know i immediately took up that offer and i didn't even look back but yeah, the, the the transition is going from something even like QA or any position into production requires persistence uh, because if you don't if you don't ask every day or if you don't look every day, uh, you might miss out on your apport- opportunity. You know, no, this job has skill uh, as far as communication goes, but it's not something that you can you know like say, oh, I, I got my degree as a producer, I'm I'm ready to take on any producing job. So, but like you know. Brandon and Larry, you guys can show off your art reel. You know, you can show off your design reel and and what you guys have come up with, And that's proof in the pudding, right? Yeah, that,
0: we have tangibles.
2: Yeah, you guys have tangible assets that you guys can say, yeah, you guys are is this a family friendly show, or can I? Uh, you can say whatever you want, however you want. Okay, um, I was gonna say you guys are masters and you guys are badass at what you guys do. and you know it's <laughs> and it's it's proven, right? but as a producer when you look at on the credits like what what does that producer do there there is no evidence in that the only way anyone knows what a producer has done is through the team the team itself knows what the producer did you know no fans will be able to see like the uncharted uh, lane the the train level you know the guy's on the interview and he's like i did the train level right and then it's like everyone's like oh my god this guy's awesome he's badass right but then if I go on an interview and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was the producer for that project. They'd be like, well, what did you contribute to? Uh, I mean, I, I could say that, you know, we ship the product on time. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I I necessarily can't. I'm not the one creating the assets. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm helping and encouraging the team to make sure everything gets done on time. But ultimately, it's, it's you guys who are the key stakeholders in the project that makes it so great. I just make sure you guys don't fall in a pitfall.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like, sure, Michael Jordan is on the floor shooting the baskets, taking the dunks and, you know, uh, playing defense and, you know, making threes and all that stuff. But you still got Phil Jackson with the clipboard yelling, pass to Scotty, you know, this person's open or we need to run a trap or a triangle offense or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the content creator and production relationship is kind of similar to like, you know, coach team relationship, you know, and like. Neither party could look at each other and be like, we could have done it without you if everything is running well and efficiently is is what I believe. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
2: I, I can't draw a circle if my life depended on it, but I can tell you, you know, as far as priority goes, what we need to, you know, put a stop on like, okay, hey, this is enough. To get us where we need to be, we need to move on to the rest of the phase of the project. Mm. Um, Because I see the grander scope, you know, and everyone and they have their own respectable leads and in their department. And, you know, my job, two things happen in my job. One, I need to make sure the artist is only solely focusing on his work, like mastering and harnessing his work. But at the same time, my job is to make sure that we have a cutoff point where it's, it's sufficient enough that it doesn't affect the quality of the game. Um, so, you know, I, I have to play that fair balance. Like I have to play that red tape where it's like, you know, do your magic, do what you're known to be good for. And then at the same time, I got to put that red tape kind of be like, Hey, that's, that's enough. You know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, my next question for you is Kami, you're actually, you know, a very young man. And so (laughs) you are working with people of all ages and all creeds, sexual orientations or whatever, right? Like it's a very open community, this game development industry that we have. Do you ever find yourself having any conflicts with groups who, like, may just take offense? I guess this one is mainly directed towards age. But do you ever have any trouble, like, with, like, a more senior person? Like, why is this young kid telling me what to do? And if so, how do you handle those conflicts and situations? Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, I've had numerous times. I've had clients look at me asking me, you know, uh, the first thing that they've asked me is, how old am I? <laughs> uh, it, it's 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 sad. Um, but I, I've had issues where... Um, I have been not given that that opportunity to be able to perform my job simply because I came in either, you know, because I came in late into the project or because they see that I'm under supervision under my executives, that the clients would go directly to the executives. Even though my executives have full trust and confidence in my skills and my talents, and they even tell the, the clients, like, hey, we trust Kami, we know he knows what he's doing, you know, we brought him into Section Or, you know, Cloud Imperium or wherever company I was working with. Like, we brought them in here for that reason. But, you know, the client still insists of going to the executive. And it's only because, you know, depending on um, where you are in the project and depending on uh, who they've dealt with before, uh, you know, that, that could be an issue. But, yes, I've had numerous times where you know, I've had so many previous producers come up to me asking me, like, Hey, how old are you? And I'm, Oh, well, I'm 25. I'm 26. Man, you got so many more years ahead of you. Don't even worry about it. You know? And it's like, yeah, I understand, you know, I've got many years ahead of me, but that doesn't mean that I should stop my persistence, you know, or my, my drive to want to be where I'm, where I want to be. So it's, it's, It's not that I'm saying you know we're gonna be forever young or you know we're gonna we're gonna die like a producer can be 45 and you still be a producer or whatnot. But my my goal is to be able to do what I want to do, and whether that whether I'm 21 or 35, I don't think that that should be an issue. I mean, I've seen talented artists, concept artists, designers, be 18 and be 45. I mean, in this industry and software. It's all about skill. It's not really biased to age or sex or race. Um, but unfortunately, when you're dealing with clients, uh, the first impression that a client sees, you know, usually is a lasting effect that happens. Mm-hmm. And the only way the result changes if something crucial happens to the project, and you, you know, you're able to turn it around and bring a positive product out of
1: it. Yeah, I mean your beard helps <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like Larry you br- brought up a really good like uh, topic uh, that I battled myself like age discrimination is definitely a thing um, like even though our industry is very friendly and we are very similar there is an ego when it comes to what is this kid telling me to do anything right now. Right. Uh, I, I started my career pretty young uh, and I, I completely uh, passed the, uh, the associate level. Like I went from school to basically mid-level just by luck and yep. opportunity and timing mostly. And so since then, every position I have been, I've been a little younger than my colleagues and, uh, I mean, Larry, you can show, you can be, uh, you're, you were one of the witnesses sure, <laughs> when yeah. I was interviewing and, uh, and I, I would have to use tricks. It definitely helps that I'm married and have a kid and that balances things out because I can't go over <laughs> here. So I compensate <laughs> in other ways, but like, it's a real thing. Like the age discrimination, I, I felt it throughout my career and it's like, it can be little things like making decisions, or uh, it can be big things where I wouldn't be considered uh, in a managing role uh, at other companies um, just based on my age, even though my experience is the same. Here, here's an example. like I, I would work with a guy, and he started his career late. Like he, he, he did something else outside of the game industry, came in about five years in uh, when I was in, uh, and then we pretty much have the same uh, game industry experience by the time we we work together. But because he was five years older than I was, you know, he was considered in in you know more more in lead positions, right? Right. Even though our industry experience is exactly the same, but that's where age discrimination can come into play. And yeah. Larry, like, you can probably tell the story better than than I can. But like, one of the tricks I would use for interviewing. Uh, would be to slick back my hair (laughs) because it just adds
0: on yeah i I would (laughs) i remember so brandon like he's right like he had tricks where he knew the situation he knew what he had to do to present himself to i guess counter his stereotypes and i remember when brandon got me uh, an interview at sledgehammer games i came up for the interview hadn't seen brandon in months and like when i finally saw him it was like what the hell happened to brandon fam not in a bad way it was just like a very different look and like he was telling me he was like man you know it's like i'm young here but like i gotta like i gotta show that like you know my style or like when people see me that they don't think a young kid they think like oh this is a man like his hairstyle had changed like he was wearing north face everything you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was so crazy to see the transition because i knew brandon for so long but, like, I totally get it. It was like, okay, cool. I understand, man. It's like, you know, you're in a, in a big talent pool in an area where they have, like, a lot of trust and faith in their team, and they want to make sure that they have the right fit. You don't want that to work against you in any way if they look at you and see you someone who looks out of place. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, Larry doesn't really... He understands but he doesn't get it on our level of comedy because he's been looking <laughs> like a thirty four year old man since he was yeah. fifteen. <laughs> so, but like just looping back in the producer role, I can imagine that being way more difficult because you're basically, you know, managing people and at any age it can be weird if you're always you're, most of the time you're probably younger.
2: Yeah, I mean, at, at, and exactly spot on. I actually used to have my own cheat ways at interviews where I'd wear my glasses and not shave my beard uh, to give it that, you know, a couple of years ahead. And, and it's so funny. I've had numerous times them asking me like, oh, well, you know, how long have you been in the industry? You've just probably recently started, right? I'm like, no, I've actually been in the industry since 2008, uh, which not a lot of people can say uh, at this time and yeah. in, in, in my age. And the interesting thing is that Section Studios, uh, the three producers that are in Section Studios are actually all the same age. We're all at uh, 27, which is pretty interesting because usually there is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I need to look harder next time. I was like... <laughs> who's, the, who's the third producer
0: there?
2: I know it, two. It, yeah, and Kevin
1: Song. He's oh. the
2: other. He's, he's an art Oh, service. I know Kevin.
0: I know Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, we're so, good. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. We're
2: all three roughly the same same year. So I mean it's very interesting because coming from any other project that I've been on and any other team, I'm I was always the, the, the youngest because the the one right above me would be like eight or nine years above me. Um, They'd be in their mid thirties, mid forties, and you know as a producer you can can I guess stay until you're eighty five I guess at that point. Yeah,
1: well yeah. the beard is de- definitely working because you definitely look the oldest out of all three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and 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 it keeps me in within the 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 wisdom factor, right? right, 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 right. As soon as uh, I shave my beard, people ask me like, you know, where did I graduate high school from? So.
0: <laughs> do
1: you, do your parents know you're here? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to. hey Brandon look, we gotta wrap this up. We can't go past an hour tonight, you it'll be past his bedtime, you know. Yeah, right? I know, right. Oh <laughs> oh, oh man. So uh what kind of bed sheets do you have? GI Joe or Transformer? <laughs> what, what are we doing these days? No I'm kidding I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs>
2: I was on that Batman versus Superman bed Oh, seat. gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha.
0: All well, right, Common Well, well I, I want to jump in, man. Did you know, sure. you know, going into the game industry, that it was going to be production for you? Like, was this, like, this is my calling, this is what I have to do? Or you just kind of, did you find your way through where, like, you knew that it was a great job for you to come out of QA? Like, what were you thinking as far as your career goals? Before you had even thought about working in the game industry, I guess, when you were trying to prepare yourself, what did you think uh, it would be?
2: Well, I mean, honestly, I thought I was going to be a lawyer coming out of high school, going into college. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my plan originally, because, I mean, Middle Easterns, you either become a lawyer or you become a doctor to please your parents. Uh, I did neither, as you can tell. Um, But no, uh, like within the first six months in QA, I met a guy named Lee Ross. He is one of the producers at uh, Infinity Ward now. And, you know, I looked up to him a lot. And uh, I actually interviewed him for one of my assignments for a college. And as I was talking to him and as I was getting to know him more, you know, I I realized this is this is what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be in that factor in that role of what a producer does. And I'm sure we're going to get to that question of, you know, uh, or get to that resulting like that button of what a producer actually does. Uh, But yeah, from the get go, uh, I knew going into QA was going to get my foot in the door Mm -hmm. uh, and uh i didn't know how i was going to be a producer but i knew the first step above being in qa as first qa tester i knew that i needed to be a qa floor lead mm. and then from a floor lead i knew i needed to be a lead and then from a lead i knew i could be a uh assistant producer from the assistant producer to an associate producer associate producer to a producer producer to senior producer executive and you know i, I knew the chains uh but i knew the chains one step Uh, and, and that was my persistence was, you know, constantly pushing around and asking people like, Hey, where do you go from here? You know? And at that time, you know, going at Neversoft and then going to Treyarch, I kind of had to like realize, you know, is this where I'm going to be able to get that next step? Or do I go to the next, you know,
0: next company that
2: could provide me that next step? You talk about that so, like
0: Pokemon evolutions, man. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it,
2: it comes down to that. You know, it, everything that I've built up to up to Section Studios has been a stepping stone, uh, a great one of that. You know, every place that I've been, it's, it's a blessing I've learned on my way up. But, you know, that doesn't mean because I'm leaving doesn't mean I have any, you know, bad blood with the other company or my choice to go to the other company was because of other reasons it was, it was my pursuit of what i'm trying to do which is to become a producer and you know had i had i tried to pursue this position in a triple a company uh, it would take me years uh, i mean five to ten years uh, based off my experience of where you know sony santa monica guys um, you know i knew some excellent guys out there um which that would like you know were associate producers for like five plus years at those companies, you know, and here I am being given the opportunity to be a full producer, manage my full project on my own, you know, and with the trust of the, you know, the co-founder and executive producer for me to be able to run my own project. Um, So, I mean, being here allows me to build my experience and build, you know, what I want to do and running my, my, some, you know, this is my dream job, you know, and I, I, I remember I posted on Facebook something about like I was in college and I said, I just want to finish my homework and be a producer already. Mm-hmm. And uh, I posted that and I look back now and, it, and it's a true blessing to be here. But, you know, that doesn't mean that's the end. Mm-hmm. This is just where I've wanted to be, but this is not where it's going to end. Right. So
0: I got to jump in. Let's talk about things that you look forward to as a producer, things that are exciting for you, because a lot of people who don't necessarily know about the job stereotype it to be like, oh, project management. So talking emails and Microsoft Excel all day, you know, where (laughs) where are the like joys of your job? Uh, Well, I
2: mean, the joys for me um, is honestly is being able to sit in a meeting around talented developers um listening to them talk and listening to them to finding a way and a solution, um, you know, for me, I'm just kind of like a, a cheerleader. I'm like a spark plug. I'm just like, you know, where can I help? Where can I help? Where can I make sure this, you know, what you guys want is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I need to get somebody? Do you need to call somebody? Do I need to, like, bug somebody and make sure that, you know, their their task gets done and, you know, and make sure the priorities are set? Uh, that that's where I get my real joy is is seeing a product come to fruitation, uh, fr- fruitation? fruition, uh, fruition, fruition, fruition. Oh my god,
0: coming fruitation.
2: into
1: fruition, fruition. Making
0: up words. All right, cool. I like that. I'm gonna put fruition. on a t shirt, dude. It's mine I think that's now. rule number one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Make up um,
1: words.
0: So you know,
2: seeing um, that that development, that that process of of the project coming to life and slowly start seeing the building blocks. Uh, that that's what really gets me going because I know that you know you guys are on full steam ahead and and my job is to make sure that there's no crash course waiting for you guys on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Kami. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, like, coming like as
1: a producer, you're you're dealing with a lot of the development team, and I feel like the first thing that you have to deal with is probably resistance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what, what what are the type of things that you've encountered that you were totally surprised by uh, when dealing with developers for the first time or, or or repeatedly?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely spot on. Resistance um, coming with a working with a company, and especially in and the biggest thing for resistance is when you come late into a project, mm. uh, or you come in after there's a team kind of assembled. Uh, you just get walked all over on resistance because you try to ask them, like, hey, you know, when is this going to be done? And it's like, whenever I'm done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: kind <laughs> of, know, kind of mentality. Yeah. yeah. And and shout out to Casey Robinson. He's one of the VFX guys I used to work with at Cloud Imperium. He actually helped me. Like, you know, he, he would push me. But then, you know, at the end of the day, he would come by and pat me on the back. He's like, hey, man, good job for toughing it out, you know, sticking it in, in there, you know, just uh resistance is one of the biggest things that happens um in production that you kind of have to like push back on and um in production you can't be afraid to use your power cards you know using your admin using your executives um when there's when there is resistance you know because the executives put in faith that you're responsible for making sure the project goes smoothly um and if there is a a conflict between you know a developer and a producer and you know the easiest way of hashing it out is you know try to see it reasonably on both sides but if you see that there isn't a you know you're not resolving anything from the two you know you have no problem bringing it up to the executive and at that point the executive can make the the card decision which one to go but yeah it's it it could be it could be a huge pain dealing with people who hate producers and and I understand you know I came into QA and and I've heard every negative connotation about producers and how they don't know what they're doing in their lives and you know, I, when I came in, when my, I set my goals and my sets to become a producer, my job was to revolutionize what a producer does uh, wow. in the video game industry. Um, that was one of my main foresights and my main goals. And any producer that or any upcoming producer who has worked with me, you know, I've made sure to set those key guidelines of like, hey, remember, you're not you're not their boss, but you are managing the project, you know. Um, the boss is obviously your executives above you, but you know, you don't dictate what they do. You have to dictate when it's enough for the project. Um, because a lot of people can grow into that ego of, because I'm the producer, because I tell them when to stop means that I control the game, which is actually false. Uh, the designer, the engineer, and the lead artists are the ones that control the game you know and and as the producer you make sure that they get what they want but at the same time you make sure they don't go overboard um and you know that's what makes a great producer that's what revolutionizes production in in this industry um not not being the the head of the household you know uh, because when you become the head of the household when you provide no assets and no content what happens is there becomes a revolution uh, from the developers where they just don't want to listen to you because they're the ones making the assets. They know what's best for project. So, and I, and like I said, I completely understand where people come with, with this negative connotation of producers. Uh, but you know, that's, that's where I'm hoping to help, uh, shine the light and know that there's good producers out there and we're here to make
0: a difference. Call me for president 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) Um, so, where do you think the resources are, or what are some things you think people who are not yet producers, like student level, who are like, hey, if you're interested in this potential job, and you're not in QA right now, or you're not even in the game industry right now, what types of things can they do, practice, or improve for themselves to help kind of align themselves towards getting a career in production?
2: Uh, well, I mean your best bet would be an internship at this point. If you want to find a gig that you can get into, um, I mean, internships are pretty, pretty often the fine, you know, there's are like me, obviously there's more internships for asset driven production job, uh, asset driven jobs, like concept artists, 3d artists, um, designers as well. And, and, and engineers. But um, if you don't go into QA, and you want to go directly into production, my best bet is to you know, find that internship that will lead you into production or you know, uh, the beginning of, and all video game developers know this, uh, to get somewhere, you got to know someone. Uh, so if, if, if you know someone, especially if you're going to a uh, specific game school, most of those professors are people who are active in the video game industry, get to know them, uh, talk to them, ask them for opportunities. You know, if you're shy to ask for an opportunity in production, you don't belong in production. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I only say this because you have to talk to people, new people, old people, like as far as familiar faces, unfamiliar faces every day. And and the time of being shy is never. Uh, You have to you have to make that gut call every single time. And, you know, if you make a mistake, that's okay. It's better to make the mistake than, you know, have a what if in your head.
0: I mean, that's, that's, that's a good answer, man. I, you know, my career actually started in production and I wasn't all that great at it. Let's be real. Like I'll call a spade a spade. I wanted to be creative, uh, interviewed for a design position, but I think they liked my personality and they liked how I handled problems on the fly. I guess it's kind of like the compliment that I got in my first interview. They said, Hey, we have this production job for you anyway. Um, yeah, it's, you're a hundred percent right. You interface with all different types of people at any time of the day for any specific reason. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. And if you are shy or if you're gun shy, timid, or or just worried about the outcome of the conversation, so therefore it makes you not want to have that conversation, you're going to have a difficult time being an effective producer because time is going to be wasted. You know, you got to just get right to the point. You got to bulldog and like, hey, look, I'm not an asshole. I'm just, I got to make sure that we're not going to miss this deadline because people won't get paychecks if we do. You know, like, so what's going on?
2: Yeah, and that's one of the one of the key things no one looks at uh, from a developer's position that a producer has to see is that when you have one day, let's just say for one day, nobody progresses into any work, right? You are potentially losing out, you know, a couple thousand dollars uh, just because you didn't make anything productive. So if you can't tell five people. To get their things going you know what makes you think that you're gonna be able to tell 10 20 30 and so on
0: yeah
1: yeah i mean how much how much is your uh day-to-day um from past experience uh just dealing with liars Sixty <laughs> percent. Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> every time every time i ask a question about estimates on how long certain <laughs> things take um it's
0: it's all the time. Okay, which department is the worst?
1: <laughs> yeah, which department <laughs> that's is what the I worst? Know. Yeah. Who who's which the one
0: de- who's the one that's like, yeah, call me like 2 days and then 2 days later like, yeah, call me 5 days. Um <laughs> uh, honestly, it's it's every
2: junior position. Okay. um uh, cuz cuz juniors are trying to impress themselves, right? They yeah. don't want to under underestimate their quality. Uh, so they'll give you an answer that will make you happy, but it'll only make you happy for an hour because you come back a week later and you're like, dude, where's this at? And it's like, I'm sorry, I overestimated. And you know, my job is to make sure that there's enough buffer that, you know, we, we don't hope for you to fail, but we prepare for you to fail. Um, and and usually it's anyone in that junior position because seniors will tell you straight out because seniors want to enjoy their quality and their time on a product. But a junior is trying to impress themselves so they can stick around. Uh, so usually people who give us poor estimates are anyone who's in the in the junior department, and there's no fault on that. I, I understand what they're trying to do. They they obviously want to better themselves and be able to uh, provide the most accurate decision possible. But at the same time, they don't want to look frowned upon when they say, "Oh, it's going to take me a week." Uh, but you know that's why usually producers ask their leads, and the leads will actually give you an honest answer of how long that junior will take. Um, so. But yeah, as far as estimates go, uh, I've I've had I mean I've had a couple seniors and mid levels um, offset their estimates, but that's I mean that's everything in 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 the industry is when you get to that position where you need to solve the problem, uh, there becomes more issues to resolve. Or uh, usually when we sit in a meeting and we talk about things, a lot of developers don't count the extra steps in between. Right when someone tells you, oh how long does it take you to build a character? Oh, it takes me two weeks right but then there's a bunch of factors in it right um, the conversations that are mostly uh, dealt you know in, in meetings when it's just producers is honestly is resource mm-hmm. um especially at section studios because we're we're using multiple guys on different projects so it, it's kind of like battling for like trading cards like oh i need i need this character artist for two weeks and and then i'll give them to you for a week afterwards right um, and a lot of the times, it's going back and forth, and then all of a sudden, you know, the director will come in and it's like, well, he he can't be on that; he's got to work on this. Uh, so our our job is to like anytime we pull producers in a meeting, it's because there's a conflict in schedule, or there's a there's a unknown that has been re- uh, that has been found, uh, and we have to try to resolve it as best as possible before making an action to the team because you know we because there's multiple producers in, in one studio and because there's multiple resources being shared we can't just make an action with you know just on the fly if there was only one producer that would make sense but because there's three we have to make sure that it doesn't affect any conflict with the other teams and it doesn't affect any conflict that schedule wise goes because you know i'll plan something out for concept artist for a whole week and then, you know, I'll go back and get it, try to get it approved. And, you know, I have the other two producers kind of be like, no, I need him for this project. And I need him on Friday for that project. So I have to go back and kind of reschedule for that stuff. So most of the times that I've been in, as far as meetings go, on the production side is to talk about resources um, and to talk about conflict and schedules. But, you know, uh,
1: the... And the people you don't like for that day. <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs>
2: You know, I don't say anything bad about anybody.
1: I, I yeah.
2: try, I try my absolute best. You know, I've heard conversations from all different companies, from the higher ups to all the way to independents of people yeah. talking shit. But uh, I've I've tried my best to try to keep it down. Um, but and, and it's only because you know I love and respect everybody because they come in at eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, and they put in their work, uh, and they don't deserve to be you know discredited by anybody. So
0: um so what you know, that means is brandon i'm not gonna break my producer code and tell you who we snitch on
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I heard it loud and clear <laughs> got uh, it uh, <laughs> no
0: that's
2: that's not the case at all uh,
0: I, I i for me
2: what pisses me off is uh i'll go from nine o'clock all the way to five thirty with nobody telling me any issues And literally 30 minutes before I pack my bags, I got five guys coming up to me with issues and I have to reschedule. So if you want to know anything that pisses me off, it's when people come up with issues at the last minute when I'm trying to pack my bags, which, you know, I unpack and reschedule and re-prepare for the next day. But, you know, if if anything you want to know what pisses someone off is telling someone's schedule that, you know, you have to change it again. So, yeah, you you know what it is?
0: It's they spend all day trying to figure it out themselves. Yeah. Right. Then they come to you when clearly like they need a problem. That's that's what's happening. They're trying to do you a favor here. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I've
2: had one engineer sit down and work on a task before my previous company. One engineer specifically work on a task for like six hours to fix a bug, and he finally comes up to me. He's like, "Dude, I can't, I can't figure out what this is." So all we do is we go to the head, you know, tech artist, and the tech artist was like, "Oh yeah, I already submitted that fix. It's already taken care of." And it was just like a simple, simple communication as far as, you know, delivering what you need uh, can be done. Like, I'll, you know, and a lot of the times people come to producers because they don't want to interrupt anybody else, which is, you know, the golden rule kind of thing. It's like come to the producer. The producer will find the answer for you um, if if you're new or you're not familiar or you don't want to interrupt other people. But once you get familiar with the team and, you know, you become close Uh, co-workers and uh, build like a tight bond and relationship Uh, easily people know you know when they need to ask a question like they don't hesitate after that and that's the magic that's what I love is being able to like not force the communication relationship but being active of trying to get those two people to communicate like hey this is going to be your partner for the next two years get to know him you know get to figure out his schedule go to lunch with him hang out you know grab a beer afterwards or something because you know there's going to be times where you're going to need some questions and struggles that you know this person can give you a different perspective and resolve
1: yeah i mean like it, it the key thing is like most people wind down right as the day goes on and yeah. uh, there's there's a reason why there there are core hours like these are the time to bother me <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's usually an hour before you know the usual 9 to 6 or whatever and Larry kind of personified this in his, like, he shared a message, like, early in the week where it just showed Jon Snow. And the, the what's the meme? It was, like, uh, my leaving. Watch is over. Yeah, my watch is over. And it's, like, uh leaving uh, 30 minute, uh about to leave work, and someone asks you to, to complete a, uh, a few tasks. And it just shows <laughs> Jon Snow walking away, my watch has ended or something. Yeah, my watch has <laughs> ended. It's No, it's true. It's so perfect. But it's like you, you can't catch people the last 30 minutes of the day and expect them to, you know, especially when they yeah. put away their stuff. I hate it when especially I have my backpack It's coming on, right? I'm yeah. clearly leaving. And it's like, oh, are you leaving? so like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm leaving. <laughs>
0: why
1: yeah. are you here?
2: Yeah, that's why, you know, my job, I always, I always say bye to everybody and I always say hi to everybody in the mornings. Yeah. I, I know that sounds annoying to you, Brandon, when I run around and saying hi, but the reason why I do that is because, you know, I'm saying I'm available to work, you yeah. know, I'm available if you need me. And then when I say bye, I'm saying anything else before I head out. And, and, and the funny thing is usually I'll get home or I'm on my way home and I'll get an email about, like, hey, we've got this issue. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I have to prepare first thing in the morning to resolve that issue.
0: So what's your second biggest pet peeve? Because it sounds like the first one is a serious one, but I'm sure there's another one where you're like, and I also hate when... Uh, like,
1: well, it could be something like, hey, let's say this, right? Uh, there's enough of developers hating on producers, but, you know, like, I'm not... <laughs> there's a <laughs> I clear know division, you're right? A, I know there's you're there's either... Hating to producers. me, there's... There has never been a middle ground for producers. There's ever. There's only, like, a good producer or it's a bad polarized. producer. It's polarized. Yes. It's very polarized, yeah. right? You either like a producer or you don't like them at all. Like, you hate them, yep. Right? So, as a producer, what have you seen in other producers that you didn't like, that you saw from, you know, the vantage view of a developer?
2: Oh, uh, okay. Um, one of the pet peeves that I hate is, okay, so a producer, you know, our job... We're get-go people. We gotta go. We know what we need to do. If you don't know what to do, find something to do, right? Uh, Our job is not to just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. Our job is to make things happen, get shit done. Uh, One of my annoying pet peeves that I've seen producers do, and these are obviously because they're inexperienced to a certain level, is uh, a junior producer and an associate producer asking a producer, hey, what do I do next? Um, that's one of my uh, most annoying pet peeves I've ever experienced in my life. Um, I, I, understand when it's like your first week, your first two weeks, you're learning the project, the process, the development pipeline. That's great. But if you finish your task as a producer or you finish what you're doing on your plate, find something else to do. Um, and, and don't try to annoy other people doing it because as a producer, your job is to not get in the way. And when you're in the way, that's where you get more obnoxious. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I've, I've seen, I'm not even kidding you, I've seen production interns go up to engineers or artists and sit down with them and just say, so how do you do this? Why don't you share me your four years of education that you went through and teach me how you do your C++, nope. right? And it's just like, no, that's not what you do. That's not your job. Your job is not to ask them how they do their job. You want to learn about C++? Then you sit on the sideline and learn C++ however way you can or do it on off hours. Don't do it while they're working. Like, for example, um, a perfect example for me, I didn't ask anyone on how to do Photoshop. My Working here at Section Studios, I learned how to do Photoshop based off the basic necessities that we needed to do. We need to crop an image? I got it. We need to, you know, uh, change the layer or turn off the layer. I got it. You know, make make some type of revisions or some changes. Sure, no problem. You know, my job, my job isn't to be a Photoshop artist or is to be an artist at all. But if, you know, no one has that, t- you know, if everyone's booked up, up to their head, you know, up to their neck, and, you know, we need to do the simple change on a Photoshop file, well, guess what? I'm sitting there for four hours. Try to figure it out how what clicks what, what, you know what button clicks do what to figure out the answer on on what we need. Uh, a perfect example is uh, the last project, the PC project I worked on on you know Dead Realm. The the client asked for the the shield the bubble that is casted to be a different color, and the designer wasn't there. That changes the color, the hue color. He left for the day, and, uh, and we had to push that build out to to get them to test it and then you know submit for update. Um, and, you know, I unlocked his computer and, you know, and I went through and tinkered around through all the files until I can find the bubble. And sure enough, I learned how to change the hue and I, you know, I don't know how to save. Uh, I don't know how to check in files on Perforce, but I grabbed an engineer. I told him, Hey, this is the file. Can you save it and check it into Perforce? Sure enough, the hue changed in the color and, you know, I got things done. Um, so, so and- you have
0: a ship credit as an artist as well.
2: Yeah. Well, I also have a credit artist as a uh, janitor for Dead Rome because I helped uh someone clean up someone's puke on that project too. But <laughs> you know, my job is my job is to get shit done. What well, you know, if, if it's the small tasks that you know a designer can't write the trenches info for you know a certain character or dialogue, well, guess what? I'll sit there and I'll write it and then I'll give it to the designer to review because it takes a shorter amount of time to review content than write new content. You know, like. I might be a a shitty job at it, but, you know, I'd rather have it be there than be completely missing or empty um, for the time being as a temporary, you know. Um, And obviously I would make that point out saying, hey, look, you know, we got to resolve this issue. Um, But, yeah, one of the most annoying pet peeves is producers who are asking what to do because as a producer, you know, your job is to make sure shit gets done on the project and figure out what's missing and try to get it done.
0: Yeah, that definitely sounds like, obviously, junior entry-level kind of production stuff. I I would hate to think that, like, one of these high-level executives are like, so, Mr. Engineer, tell me how to C++. (laughs) Like, I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And it kind of applies cross-discipline-wise. Like, you know, the more senior you are, you should be filling out your schedule to a point where you don't have to ask people what you should do. And it's one of those things, too, is, like, you know uh if you're in production and you're asking like what should i be doing now is like my immediate answer is like why did i why am i paying you <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <That's laughs> if you one don't, the question, you're not
1: exactly. doing anything right now and it's one of those things too it's like dude you got to be productive like uh, a lot of the uh the holes that like students fall into is that they think if they're always asking questions it shows that They're so, like, they're really assertive. Like, questions as in, like, what should I be doing now? What should I do next? And what should I do in a month from now? Like, they feel like that's a good thing, uh, but in the wrong way, right? What you should be doing is... Like, anybody who, uh, if you're trying to impress your manager or your leader whatsoever, like, they want you to leave them alone and come back in a way where you're producing things on your own and impress them in that way. It's like, oh, I didn't even think that you can do this, or I would not even think of doing this, and you did it, and that's amazing. Like, all right, let's talk about things. I think that's way more impressive. It's kind of like anticipating it uh, in a way, but, like, that, it's not just based on... Like you're just going off and you're just uh guessing right you're you're basing it off of history you're basing it off of what tasks you've done last week and you're anticipating what the next two steps are
2: yeah
1: uh, yeah and that takes thought like it's you know it takes like a certain level of competency to to do that and uh, assertiveness to, to do that and it's just lazy to just ask someone else how to you do your job in most yeah
0: cases. you're a, honestly man that's like to me, you're a firefighter, Kami. Like you have your team, you have your skills and expertise, and you have a fire, you put out the fire. When the fire is out, you know what you do. You go look for smoke. You know. Yeah. You don't start a new fire by being yeah. in the way. You go look for yeah. signs of a new fire to go put out. Right. Like that's yeah. That's yeah. Kind
2: of a... To my analogy, the way it works is I've I've heard this best is a producer. If you put it in res- uh, retrospect uh, to a car. Right. You've got the, the, the frame that is held by the engineers. You've got the style, the body that is held by the artists, you've got the functionality that's held by the designers, you know, we've got the texture artists who have the seams and what the fabric or materials are inside. And then you have the the creative director who's steering the wheel, but you have the producer who puts their foot on the gas pedal or puts it on the brake. Mm-hmm. Um, those are where where the producer is. You know, we sit in the position of what gear do we need to be in? Do we need to be in first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear? You know, you know, fifth gear, and at the same time, or or in reverse, and you know, at the same time, when do we hit the gas pedal? When do we hit the brake? So you're um, the driver, uh, th- but we don't steer.
0: <laughs> we <laughs> don't steer. That's the thing. So, so the steering. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> we're the autopilot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding, man. No, no, because I, that's that's a good ref- that's a good analogy, man.
2: Yeah, because the confusion is, you know, a producer they think that they're the driver, like you said, but the driver honestly comes from whoever the creative director is, whether that's the game designer or the the, the, the design lead, yeah. um, and that's always because you know you, when you hire a designer, their job is to make the game fun, the game functionable, to make the game smooth. And your job as a producer is to make sure that, like I said, everyone falls in the right place, everyone's doing what they need to do, and
0: the, the quality of the product is uh, done on time. Okay. Well, Kami, it is uh, an hour into the podcast. Yeah. And at this special time, the first thing I like to do is just say, hey, thanks for being on this podcast. Awesome. Uh, we really appreciate it. And so as our gift to you, Brandon and I are going to ask some more questions. We're going to be quiet. And we're gonna say, Kami, it is your time to talk to the audience of Game Dev Unchained, all 19 of them, and tell them, you know, something <laughs> you're excited about. Promote something, uh, you know, maybe nudge, nudge, giveaway, uh, whatever it is that you would like to share with our audience. The floor is yours.
2: Yeah, actually, I was gonna start off with just that, Larry. Um, so I was, and I've gotten permission from my higher ups, and I actually have three um, Mac slash PC Steam key giveaways for a project that I worked on called Tenertia. Those keys have been given to Larry. Larry, if you want to explain the instructions on how you want to do that, uh you if you want to do it now or after the plug-in, uh that that's up to you. Uh but yeah, these keys are for you guys, the audience, the viewers who are listening, um, and and it's only because, you know, uh as as a producer, I'm trying to be in the the good light of you know not being in the negative producers but as a good producer I, I, would, I would love to give as many keys as possible but you know obviously we have to make a living shipping out the game with with products but yeah the, hopefully whoever gets those three keys enjoys uh platformers Tenertia is a platforming game without a jump button if that makes sense uh it, it's an extremely hard game uh I've played it and you know I I'm getting through it. I always get stuck at the boss battles, but I eventually get through it. It just keeps getting harder as you go. So, if if you're a true hardcore gamer who's into platforming, this game is for you. Um, and, I, and I've been... I had the honor to work with Candescent Games, which is the two guys, uh, Velas and Ferg, uh, who worked uh, with us at Section Studios to create this content, and we helped out with the 3D art and the concept for it with Cecil Kim. So uh wh- whoever grabs those i hope you guys enjoy it um uh, as far as plugins goes I, I mean i don't really have any plugins i'm not trying to be a celebrity um i hope one day you know uh I, we get to do this again i love podcasts i love talking about anything game dev related um only because it's an unspoken territory because um, originally everything is kind of hush hush behind the scenes and, you know, I know we can't talk about the projects that we do, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about the processes and the experiences that we go through because a lot of the times people come into the video game industry assuming that it's like a Willy Wonka factory, but you know, later on they get burnt out and they're like, I don't want to see another video game in my life. No. Um, so, I mean, as far as plugins go, I, I just want to tell everybody that if you are interested in the video game industry... Um, make sure you have persistence, make sure you have heart, uh, don't give up just because someone tells you no, um, and you know, keep it going uh, only because uh, it, it gets tougher on the way up, just like any other career, I believe, in my opinion, it just keeps getting worse uh, if you want to become more successful in, in any industry. Uh, but definitely if you want to set your eyes on video games, you have a true passion to make somebody happy, uh, just to show you an example, uh, I was at Treyarch and I, I got like a dev team jacket. Um, and then I went to this event called CodXP in 2011 and I was walking by the event cause we got in for free and this kid came up to me and he's like, Hey man, where'd you get that jacket? And I was like, Oh, well, you know, I worked for the company and all of a sudden the kid started busting out crying like in tears, just bullets coming down his cheek. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, what did I say? What did I do? And he was like, Oh no, you know. Uh, I, I flew all the way down here. You know, I don't have any friends. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody. But I go to school, and as soon as I come home, I put in Call of Duty and I play zombies. And you guys make me really happy. So I mean, that 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 was my pivotal point of driving. Is like, yes, we make badass games, but if I can make someone happy who doesn't, I don't know them. I've never seen them. They are remotely away never even talk to the person, but I can make that person happy, I know I'm doing something, you know. We're not saving actual lives, but we're saving emotional lives. Um, you know, there's articles about, you know, people who the passed away with their, you know, their parents playing video games uh, and, you know, with Journey. And then the other one that gave me the chills was the one kid that found his uh, dad's Xbox and yeah. saw a slap, yeah. you know, and that gives me chills. But the fact that whoever created that game – hopefully read that article and knows that that person became a benefact, you know, created an effect in that person to do something good in this world. And, And for me, that's, that's super important.
0: Yeah. That experience could never exist. That guy would, could not have this, this moment with his father, so to speak, you know, had that product not existed and had that team not pulled off what they had done. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, since I've got the microphone and everyone else is quiet, I'm Larry Charles. Thanks for listening. Good night.
1: Yeah, this is Brandon Pham. Thanks for listening. And if you want to grab those codes, uh, just go on Facebook.com forward slash GameDevUnchained and leave a comment and we'll randomly pick three of you guys. Yeah, I'm
0: we're out. Gonna, we're, Yeah, let me come back in. We're going to start... A, uh, <laughs> no, no, you're already out there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me back in. We're going to make a post that says, you know, Tenertia codes. You're going to see a picture of Tenertia and just put your name on that list for the comment. We're going to give this away. By I guess we'll take a week to let people's names get in there, and we'll pick from that list. Yeah, okay, I'm out. It. Uh,
2: and I'm Kami Talebi. Thank you very much. Game dev Avancha and Jane Thank you very much, Larry. Thank you very much, Brandon. I'll see you guys on Monday. Kami Talabi out. All
0: right, thanks. Man. thanks man. Okay. Hey, hey, you, yeah, yeah, come here. No, seriously, come here, get close Put your ear next to the speaker Monday, May 30th, Game Dev Unchained is going to be hosting a live event with Frankie DeRosa at 9pm online. Frankie DeRosa is a senior character artist from EA Dice LA and he's going to break down his workflow, techniques and all of the tips and tricks that he uses to create this amazing character art that I'm looking at right now. You should be jealous in my eyes. That's Monday, May 30th at 9pm. Where? Only at twitch.tv slash gamedevunchained